The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited double miles on every purchase every day. What's in your wallet? The Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. We should ask our SEC audience, strong audience, from the Rossillo Show with Will Cain today on ESPN Radio. Do the Florida Gators, do they share the same color scheme as your alma mater? Not Texas, not law school, but undergrad, Pepperdine, Blue Waves? Just Waves. Just Waves. That threw you off because of Tulane, right? Because Tulane had to the green qualify wave. their way. Right. I think Darien, Connecticut's the blue waves. I think that's what that was in my head a little bit. Really? I, I lose track. Of, I knew Pepperdine was the waves, but I was like, is it a specific wave? It's all the waves. It's all of them. Um, you asked me, e- what's the Pepperdine color scheme? I said blue and orange, and we were racking our brain like, who's blue and orange? Who's blue and orange? I said, well, Broncos, but that's sort of navy and orange. It's hard. It was hard for us to go... Who is blue and orange? And I yeah. think the answer is the Gators. Yeah, Florida but Gators. it's that bright blue orange. I feel like there's still a better example, and I can't think of what it is right now. All right, we'll get there. we got three hours. With Will Kane today, the Rosilla Show on ESPN Radio. Where do you start? I mean, there's, there's so much going on, but I think you do start with the breaking news right here. Time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Best phones, best networks, no contracts. The game I think we were all looking forward to, the game that was probably as entertaining as any that we saw over the entire weekend in a game that meant something for the NFC standings, and that were the Eagles at Rams. That I thought, I know it's a lot of scoring, so it makes it seem like it's taking away from the defense, but it was so much fun. The back and forth, there's so many awesome players out there in that game. You're like, man, the talent everywhere, how these rosters have kind of turned themselves around in such a quick amount of time. But the headliner is in the win, the Eagles actually lose Wentz, and now we know with the torn ACL that he's going to be out for the season. And this means what? I think it means that the Eagles are done as far as assessing who are realistic Super Bowl contenders. Can I talk about bias for one second, Ryan? Um, Whenever I talk about the Eagles, I'm going to be accused of bias because I have a clearly obvious Dallas Cowboys bias. Bias is interesting because we all have it. And all you can do is try to wrestle with it and be honest about it. Mm -hmm. And then you can approximate some semblance of objectivity. Well, you know, this is the prism I view things through. Let me go ahead and make some adjustments because of that. And I, I, I don't like the Eagles. Never have. Had this discussion with my children last night. Probably my least favorite franchise in professional sports. So I think I've been slow to acknowledge how good they are as a team. That defense, especially on the defensive line, amazing. Their rotations of guys they can use on the D-line is incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, this is like one of those SEC schools where you go, how do you do this? I mean, you're not supposed to do that with the cap. You're not supposed to be able to do what they do with the bodies of the cap. Their rushing attack, I mean, it's astounding. And they're doing it with guys that on an individual basis I look at and I go, ah, I'm not really all in on J.H.I.E., you know, each one of these players individually, I'm like, am I really afraid of him? No, but it adds up to, what are they, number one in the league in rushing attack, number two after Jacksonville? They're up there, they're top five rushing attack. Um, and even Alshon Jeffrey, I've been slow to accept that he is the A number one wide receiver that he showed to be so many times yesterday. That catch he made in the end zone. And I that mean, was the go-ahead after Wentz. His hip, right, low. Wentz blows out the knee. But it's not such a significant injury that he couldn't get up. He stays in for four more plays, and on fourth and goal, gets that touchdown, and Jeffrey just picks. See, I always liked Jeffrey. I liked Jeffrey in college. I liked him in Chicago. But in Chicago, it's this it revolving door. Though, man. Yeah, but it's a revolving door of quarterbacks. It's all these different people. I've always thought Alshon Jeffrey's a really good receiver. I'm not saying he's you know in that top tier of five guys, but he's. I think he's always been underrated. Well, here's my point in talking about bias and going through the different aspects of the Eagles roster. They are really good. I want to acknowledge that, trying to see it past the prism of my bias. They are really good, but I just don't think you survive the loss of your MVP candidate-level quarterback. You cannot survive the loss of Carson Wentz, plug in Nick Foles, and say, yeah, we're rocking along, we're still Super Bowl contenders. I just don't think you can do it. Well, who's saying that they are? 
I think people are saying they're still Super Bowl contenders with Nick Foles and losing maybe the MVP. All right, here's Ryan Clark. I guess he is saying it. This is the year of the backup quarterback, and we've seen Nick Foles excel in this league at Philadelphia with Chip Kelly in 2013, the year that you just mentioned, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions. He can't do it the way Carson Wentz can do it, but he is a starting quarterback in his league. He's done it before. What you have with Nick Foles is a guy who's been there and seen things in this league. Is his ceiling as high as Carson Wentz? No, but you don't play him the same way. Doug Peterson understands this. This is why you have that stable of running backs. Right. You start with the running game. Do you think good defense, change the playbook? And you, you, you don't change the playbook. Right. You change the play calling. Okay. You change what you lead with. Now they just need to lead with the run game and allow Nick Foles to acclimate himself into the offense and play off of that. Wow. Uh, we're going to have we're gonna have Jeff Saturday, and we'll ask him the same exact question. I didn't think that this was going to be – really that debatable like how do you lose somebody like Wentz and you're like okay they're still fine I mean people you don't to... you don't is Ryan coming in today we have Ryan on the show uh, today? no I think he's on um he's on the Spanish broadcast tonight so oh he's doing that yeah so he's probably prepping up on his ESL stuff today um that I respect every aspect of Ryan's analysis but he's just wrong man you don't you do not sub out Carson Wentz for Nick Foles and say, yeah, we're still Super Bowl contenders. Nick Foles is a great NFL backup. What does a great NFL backup do? Win you four games in case your starter can come back. Not win you the Super Bowl. Not party too much. Well, you can party. Too much yeah, carries but, all the right, way. Right. You can't be asking the <laughs> starter. You can't ask the starter to be coming out with you all the time. Uh, it's the Rosilla Show, Will Kane today. Straight Talk Wireless, nationwide coverage on America's largest, most dependable 4G LTE networks. I didn't really think this is where the conversation was going to go, is are the Eagles done or not? Because I couldn't believe that there'd be other people on the other side, like, taking that bet. Now, maybe it's because it's the NFC. If you run through the NFC, you go, okay, Minnesota felt like, and it's all, this is all quarterback bias. Is it a team with a really good record with a quarterback we're still not so sure of? Yeah, well, when you're that team, we don't take you as seriously, despite the fact Minnesota has a lot of good wins. If they were a college football team towards the end of the year in the mix for the playoff, we'd be applauding them, going, look at, look at some of the teams that the Minnesota Vikings have beaten. These are good wins. But then Carolina takes care of them yesterday after Cam Newton had another kind of erratic game and then breaks off this huge run. So if you're going one through six, one through seven, it's Philly, it's Minnesota, it's the Rams, New Orleans, Carolina. Atlanta's now in with Seattle's loss. Seattle would be out of the playoffs today with seven. Maybe is it the Nick Folk fluke year combined with parity at the top in the NFC? Nick Foles. Oh, I just said Nick Folk. Sorry. Um, I don't know about his fluke year. He could kick. He could kick. Right. Huge slump out of nowhere. Nick Foles, is it his fluke eagle season with Chip Kelly and the parody at the top of the NFC that has people at least open-minded about them still coming out of the conference? That's exactly what it is, but I'd add this little bit of icing on top of your cake there. It's And you alluded to this. It's the Case Keenum distortion. I think people are looking at it and going, well, look what the Vikings are doing with Case Keenum. We are not giving Case Keenum enough credit. Yes, a career backup, but the way he's playing is not what you expect of a backup. It's not what you expect your backup to step in and do. Nick Foles is a good player, but that year that Ryan referenced in that clip you just played, Ryan Clark, and the one that you just referenced, you called a fluke. It sounds mean, but it is a massive outlier. Massive on every statistical category. It's not category. mean. It's the truth. It's the truth. 27 touchdowns, 2 interceptions. Yards per attempt, 9. The rest of his years, they were hardly over 7. A lot of years, there were four- and five-yard attempts. And that one year, he's throwing it nine yards downfield with only two interceptions. His 
his rating was 119, man. He was like, talk about MVP candidate. And that's what you're counting on? That Nick Foles? Well, that guy hadn't been here in what's it been? Six years? Five years? I want to add to that, but I want to carry this over, okay? Because there is a a combination of, of factors here. One is Nick Foles, like a lot of other quarterbacks, actually plays into this basketball question that I heard Levitard ask a long time ago, and Levitard was crushed for asking this question. And it was a totally, I would I would listen to it, i go, I'm so glad Levitard is question? asking this question. Okay. The Ryan Rossillo Show. Rossillo. After the trade of Giancarlo Stanton to the Yankees, uh, big, big headline over the weekend. We haven't done it yet. I do want to do it because I want to talk about the Marlins because the Marlins have been something for me, at least personally, where uh, I've, I don't want to say I hate the organization. I've just always not been very fond of ownership, and, and unfortunately, it feels like Jeter's kind of doing some of the same stuff. We got Will Kane today. I want to remind everybody, subscribe right now to the Rosillo Show podcast. But you can also subscribe to 30 for 30 Pots in the Listen tab of the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts, brought to you by Delta. Making your travel experience informed, connected, and seamless. Keep climbing. All right, Delta on board with us. Speaking of flying. A little bit of breaking news here. I want to make sure I get this in. Um, our old colleague, Andy Katz, who's now working at NCAA.com, did you see this? Yes. You know where I'm going with this? I think so. Well, yeah, they probably called you ahead of time. Get my approval? University of Vermont has named their home basketball court. Well, this is an incredible honor. I didn't know this. After legendary coach Tom Brennan. Oh, that makes way <laughs> <laughs> That makes way more sense. You guys like, no, guys, Ian. Yeah, yeah, Tom Brennan. No, Tom's the best, uh, the mayor of that town. So, yeah, that's right. They're uh, dedicating the court after him. I was retweeting that a little bit earlier. Get a little Burlington in the show, which means somebody will request for me to come on today. I'm like, I don't really have much else going on. Jacksonville, Seattle. Seattle just had this unbelievable performance with all these guys missing from their secondary. They beat the Eagles. Okay, They hand the Eagles their first loss in a while. Russell Wilson, man, look at this dude. He's going to be the MVP. Yesterday's game against Jacksonville was weird. Uh, Wilson didn't play well. They kind of made it interesting late, but then everything kind of goes down at the end. And Bortles did play well. And Bortles did. And Fournette called him a top-five quarterback, and then they tossed it back to the studio. Did you see that with Ryan no, Clark? No. Ryan Clark covered his face with papers. It was just like, no. Earl uh, Thomas called him subpar after the game. He said he was subpar. Bortles. Um, that's probably probably the, the – but look, Bortles, Bortles has had some nice numbers. Okay, Bortles service, I'm going to fire that back up here a little bit. But that's not really the story here. The story is the Michael Bennett altercation at the snap when they're taking the victory formation, taking a knee, and then Quentin Jefferson getting tossed and then almost going into the stands. Why does Michael Bennett get such a pass? That's the question. Pass in which way? What Come on, we're not talking about it. Nobody's talking about Michael Bennett at the end of that game. You and I, we just talked about with Jeff Saturday. We're the only ones talking about this today. Michael Bennett diving at the offensive lineman's legs, clear intent to injure at the end of that game, when you dive at the back of someone's knees, when you're diving at their ankles, when you're diving in these zones from behind, you're trying to hurt them. Michael Ben is doing nothing but causing havoc as that game ends. Uh, I agree with you. I don't know why. Why wouldn't you do it in first take? We, I don't know. We didn't do it. I feel like we never do the Michael Bennett revisit. We never no, do... This is, this is about something else. This is about... Going all in on Michael Bennett, the Vegas police interaction, and then you and I felt like being one of the few people that actually revisited it after more video came out and questioning his position on it. 
And so I'm this, just, this isn't about the play against Jacksonville, is it? This is about no. For me? Did, yeah, this is about the video. This is about Vegas. For me? Yeah. No, I don't think so. It isn't. Okay. I think it's an incredibly dirty play at the end of the game that helped exacerbate the entire tensions of the game, which then spilled over. Yeah, where Quentin Jefferson's like leaving. Yes. He threw a punch, but he's leaving, and then he looks like he's almost going to try to go into the stands. And then Michael Bennett plays this role in the locker room afterwards where he's pushing the press away, essentially going, he doesn't have to talk to you guys. He's a human being. You know, get back. You got what you wanted here. As though everybody's all anybody wanted was to vilify these guys. And I just feel like no one ever... He's nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And no... Fine. Let's just tell the whole Michael Bennett story. See, I think that might be your answer then. Okay? Uh, you and I are in agreement on Michael Bennett. Like, I've about had it. And after the police video stuff, I feel like, you know what? There still could be more evidence out there. But no one... People wanted that were all in on Michael Bennett the first time around didn't have an open mind the first time the video came out, but then wanted to have more of an open mind when the second video came out, which I didn't quite understand. It's like, wait a minute, this is more evident. And the, what happens is this is it. None of us really want to be wrong. So if you've gone in on, on Michael Bennett and you do talk about all the great things that he does off the field, then you only want to focus on those things and not address the evidence that may make you wrong in your position. And so, you know, when both Bennett brothers get up and they call college football slavery, I, I you know, I just go, eh, you know, I, I, it's, it's not the greatest system, but it's definitely not slavery. It's mm-hmm. definitely not slavery. It's definitely not. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm in agreement with you here. I'm only trying to explain that I think so many people have gone in on him to kind of double down and be like, no, 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 Bennett's telling the truth. Bennett's telling the truth that even if there's evidence that shows you that maybe this guy isn't the greatest dude all the time, um, and that he's almost like a purveyor of hysteria at times. Uh, maybe people just don't want to change their mind. You think no, that's it? No, I'm with it? you. This, when you say this is all about Las Vegas and ask whether that's what it is for me, no, I think that's why Michael Bennett keeps getting a pass to talk about. He He's not scrutinized on all these other issues that are clear. That's an interesting term you just used, purveyor of hysteria, but clear falsehoods or exacerbations of bad situations. Because everybody went in on Las Vegas, the first story, the first one. And then ever since then, there's been this consistent past on everything Michael Bennett does. I haven't and caught I every, right. I haven't caught every show. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just, I, I can't believe today, like his, his part of that story is not part of this being discussed. And everybody is talking more on Jefferson. And I saw, and I'm talking football writers going, Quentin Jefferson. And he's going down the tunnel. He's tossing the game. He shouldn't have punched Fournette. But clearly Fournette, and I think players always are like the keys here. When Bennett does that BS with the offensive lineman and tries to kind of do this roll-up thing behind him, like you're trying to hurt him. Fournette sees it, and Fournette, when everybody stands up, goes right at him. Yeah. And you can see, like, Fournette's going, no, no, that's not cool, man. And then Jefferson punches Fournette. Jefferson gets tossed out. Somebody throws something at Jefferson, which isn't right. And I actually don't have much of a problem with Jefferson, like, going at the stands now going up in there, maybe fighting guys like no one's going to say, hey, that's a good thing for the league. But I'm not suspend Jefferson. I'm not. People were saying, oh, suspend him for the year. It's such a bad look. Fine him. Move on. People threw stuff at him. He was emotional. I understand his position, even though he was in the wrong for some of the th- things he did. And here he was after the game. I don't know what, I, what I'm supposed to do. Like, I'm a human just like anybody else. Like, I'm, not, I'm a man just like the, the other man in the stands. And I'm not going to let somebody disrespect me, throw a bear on me. Like, just because I'm playing football, I'm still a human being. I'm still a man. I'm out there playing, playing a game. And at the end of the day, it's a game, and I'm a man. I'm not going to let somebody disrespect me like that. 
going into the stands, do you think that was that was the right call? Was you still? I don't know. Was it the right call for him to throw? No, it wasn't. It, it absolutely wasn't. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering if it was the right call for him to throw a beer on me. See, here's the, here's the thing. It's not a aren't we all humans competition. You said you understand uh, Jefferson's reaction to a beer being thrown at him. I certainly do, too, on an emotional level. But you know what Jefferson is that those fans are not? You know what Jefferson is that when he's comparing himself to the guy throwing the beer and the reporters ask him the question, but, but, but was it the right thing to do, that the people standing up there are not? A professional. He's a professional getting paid millions of dollars a year because he is a unique person with special talents in this world. And so you have a higher expectation for how he of conducts course, himself. Of okay. course. Then somebody that paid 60 bucks, or let's call it 180 bucks, or they're pretty good seats. <laughs> the, <laughs> Almost terrible game. seats at one point. And that guy clearly is in the wrong. No one's yeah. defending the guy that throws the beer. But let me just tell you this. The NFL is on a razor-thin edge of the malice in the palace there. Jefferson gets into the stands and starts throwing punches with fans. You will have the NFL explode. Jet fuel on a fire. All this tension we've had, whether or not it's been racial or patriotic or fan versus players, that is jet fuel on a fire. That whole industry, that, 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 um, the NFL as a business explodes. It's all we talk about for weeks. That has a threat to collapse the entire business. I don't Wait, know that no, you no, suspend. No. You think it could collapse the entire business, something well, like that? I think that the NBA knew what a threat it was when those guys went to the stands in, in, um, Detroit was in Detroit, yeah, yeah, Malice and Palace, yeah, right? Um, and they responded accordingly. They realized what a threat that is to your game, and I think the NFL at this moment in time, especially, would have recognized that for the threat it is. Okay, but that I think my, is my my question it doesn't mean I don't understand Jefferson from a human level. Like I understand why he got upset. Somebody Anybody saying would. Jefferson should be gone for the year is crazy no, to me. Nuts. I mean, look, right. find him, move on. I understand your position that you have a higher expectation for him. Others would say, hey, it's man, he's a man, I'm a man, we're all equal. I think that's what Jefferson's going for here. But the NBA lost sponsorships. Yeah. But is losing a sponsorship as bad as that is? Does that mean that your whole business plan is in jeopardy here? I, I think that's that's where I, like, I'm with you. We're hanging out. We're rowing the same boat. Going, <laughs> you think all right, I went sponsorships. Overboard? Yeah, and then I'm like, overboard? the NFL's done. Like, we're canceling. Hey, no, ask that's canceled. me who the sportsman of the year is, the most influential person in sports is. All right, I'll ask you that next. <laughs> all right, I'll ask you that then, one next. And then let's revisit. We'll do that. And um, why the Giancarlo Stanton trade very well could have been avoided. The Ryan Rossillo Show. Rossillo. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. Today's horoscope brought to you by GEICO. 
Capricorns, today is a perfect day for romance and fun-filled activities with your partner. And by fun-filled activities, we mean shopping for car insurance. Luckily, you'll find that switching to GEICO could save you hundreds of dollars a year. You'll keep this day of romance going at the hardware store by arguing for half an hour over the color of your backsplash. Love is indeed in the air, Capricorns. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Baseball, though, on a Monday, believe it or not. Baseball on a Monday, that's with Giancarlo Stanton being traded from the Marlins to the Yankees, and almost everyone is mad, unless you're a Yankees fan. Job well done by the Yankees trading for Stanton. Job well done, brought to you by Napa Auto Parts. With quality parts and know-how, Napa Auto Parts can help you keep your ride running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Your level of interest in the Giancarlo Stanton thing, where are we at? Uh, Some. Some. Yeah. Some. You want to put a number on it? Because uh, <laughs> normally this wouldn't sell. It'd be a tough sell in the pre-show. It wouldn't play. You go, baseball, Monday, you know, we just lost Wentz for the season. Pittsburgh comeback win was a great win for them last night. But this is a bigger deal. This is this is kind of a, a ownership 101. I always laugh in the NBA that new owners should just pay me to consult them. Like the first six months, they buy a team. It's kind of like when you move into a new house. You start doing stupid stuff like ordering really expensive outdoor furniture, even though you don't have much of a patio. Just did. did it. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> I did, did it. it. Like, why do I need a fire pit? I don't have any friends, and I'm not outside that much. You know? But you do it because you move in. So when you're a new owner, you're like, all right, I want to want to do something here. I want to trade for somebody. Yeah, well, let's do a trade, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do, let's do a trade here. So you're just like the cooler. You want to come in the first six months, just be the, yeah. the cooler. Like, all right. hey, all the stuff you're going to want to do in the beginning because you're just going to want to do, do stuff, don't do any of it. Because you usually end up doing like doing something really bad, or you pay too much for a free agent. And then the other side here, Jeter trades Giancarlo Stanton. Now this Stanton deal was always a joke from day one. And I said I went on this rant years ago. I went on it again three years ago because Stanton signed a deal at the time that was thirteen years, three hundred twenty-five million. And I said there's no way he'll ever be on this Marlins team when the real money kicks in. And ironically enough, the real money kicks in in 2018, where he's going to be paid $25 million a year. But that was under Loria, okay? That was Loria and Samson, and those dudes got together and said, hey, how can we just steal a ton? How can we just steal? And they were like, here's how we'll steal. Recently, Samson said at Levitard show, he's like, I'm not quite sure what Jeter's plan is. Like, that dude can start calling out somebody else about ownership. But like, yeah, your plan was, let's be thieves and get away with it. They front-loaded all the contracts that they did, and they traded everybody away. They lied to everybody on and on and on. So here is this Marlins fan base that I have so much sympathy towards, and they have one of the best players in baseball on the roster, and Jeter buys a team with only $25 million of his own money when the cost of the whole thing was over a billion, but I guess that's part of just being Jeter or being some of these guys that just get to attach their name to these projects, and he's trading them back to the Yankees. This isn't a Yankees conspiracy for me. This is Jeter who should have looked himself in the mirror and said, okay, I don't like that contract. But the first thing I can't do is mimic the previous ownership that were just pure evil. They were the worst people in sports running this Marlins team. And I can't do the exact same thing to this fan base that has been absolutely ravaged with lies and taxpayer money. And that's what Jeter did. And he should have sat it out for a year. He should have paid Stanton $25 million bucks. And if they weren't any good, he would have been even more miserable, Will. And that way he may have been less demanding on the no-trade clause and found a way to move on because right now, Starlin Castro and two marginal projects is a joke for one of the best hitters. I don't care what his contract is. So your argument as the cooler stepping into Miami is not don't make this deal, Derek. It's don't make this deal right now. Yeah. 
You're allowed to trade Giancarlo, but do it a year from now after he's sweated out a year on bad baseball team. He drops some of this no-trade clause negotiation. We have a few more teams we can deal with, and we get a better return. That's what your advice to Jeter would have been. Yeah, because $25 million for one year of Stanton at 28 years old is not the end of the world. And you should want to, and I normally don't act this way. If you're running a team, tell the marketing people to stay away from you. Tell the salespeople, I don't want to see you. This I have to make baseball, basketball, football decisions, whatever you're doing. But when you put yourself in this situation where Jeter's like, all right, bought the team, contract's too expensive, and now the real money starts kicking in, I have to get rid of him. It is worth it to you to make that first impression to your fan base to pay that $25 million in that first year to keep this dude around, and then you can move on from it. Then you can move on a year later. Yeah, I mean, I guess in trying to be a devil's advocate to your advice to them is, doesn't that put your future plans just on hold for another year? You're banking a lot on getting a bigger call, a bigger return for him one year from now. When the business model, the plan is the same either way. It's fire sale. They have to have a fire sale. They have to rebuild, not because Jeter is just like Loria, but because Loria put all this in place. He's responsible for the situation. The no trade clause is his fault. That's right. The fact that it's backloaded, his fault. The fact that it's $300 million, his fault. Jeter has to deal with all this, and the fire sale is the way to deal with it. It's not trying to idolize and mimic Loria, but to fix the problem. And I think that the devil's advocate rebuttal to you is, if I wait a year, I'm just putting off the rebuild. Here's Jeter. Uh, This is moments ago in a teleconference talking about why he did this move. I think the one thing that... uh you know, everyone needs to realize is this is an organization that has not been successful. They have not been in the playoffs since 2003. I don't understand how the fan base feels because they've been through quite a bit. But for us here, we haven't been winning. So if you haven't been winning, then it's time to make a change. And in order to make a change, there's going to have to be some moves. And uh, like I said that you uh, alluded to, there may be some unpopular decisions at times. But every decision that we make as an organization is to try to put us in a better position. We're trying to fix something that is broken, and the fans want a team that's going to win. I mean, they'd show that because, you know, we obviously we have to get fans back into the stadium because, you know, we haven't had their attendance has been low, and I think that the attendance is low because they want to have an opportunity to win. And if they want that, then we're going to have to make some changes. So you're right. It is a balancing act, but, uh, you know, hopefully they understand that, you know, we're trying to put a, an organization together that is successful. Here's Lebetard this morning on Golik and Wingo with the real problematic part of this, and that is just the tide of the Yankees. It feels like Wall Street fraud that the former Yankee, the famous former Yankee, and some people who are listening to this are going to say, well, they tried to trade him to St. Louis first. They tried to trade him to the Giants. No, he told them from the beginning he wasn't going there. He told them New York or Los Angeles is where you need to send me. The problem is that they didn't have to trade him. They think they have to trade him. They didn't have to trade him. They traded right. But we're in a place where so you've got so you've got Derek Jeter, former famous Yankee, aiding his former team in a way that makes him, you know, Mr. Mr. December. And I'm telling you, what happened here with South Florida, we all in South Florida should have gotten one of those famous Jeter gift baskets Sunday morning uh, after the way that played out. Oh, we went there. All right. Uh, The Ryan Rossillo Show. We just were talking about Stanton, Jeter, the dilemma, and Jeter is explaining the whole deal like we had to move on. Stanton didn't want to be part of a rebuild. Here is Stanton now saying, okay, not only did I not want to be here for the rebuild, but... There were teams I told these guys I'd accept a trade to and teams that I wouldn't. Here's Stanton. 
the way they wanted to go was to subtract. So I, I let that be known. I didn't want to be a part of another rebuild, another losing season. And that's almost a guaranteed losing season, taking away uh, what I thought was a great lineup. So, um, uh, yes, I didn't want to be a part of a rebuild. Um, now, uh, I gave my list of teams um, prior to, and they went to uh, San Francisco and, and Cardinals. And and struck deals with them, so that I was I was opening to listen. I was open to listen to them, but they, those were not my teams. And those uh, those are great people. Uh, they were they were great meetings and a great organization and culture there. Um, but uh, that just wasn't the fit for me. Is there a way to sell this to Marlins fans? Is there a way to say, you know what, Jeter didn't screw this up? No, this is just tough medicine that you take down. That's all that is. I mean, I don't know how do you sell tough medicine. You just grit your teeth, get through it, and hope to be better in a few months. I mean, I don't know how you sell something that you have to do that hurts. But do you disagree with me? Do you agree with Dan Lebetard? This didn't have to be done? Yeah, I mean, that's my whole point. Well, Even your if- point is it doesn't have to be done now. Here's what I think is funny about the Stanton contract. Is okay. He's owed like you like the Jerry Jones in this equation. Two ninety five. He's owed two hundred ninety five million. What would he get as a free agent? Less. Two sixty five is what the Yankees take on, right? Yeah, and they get him cheaper. That was like the A Rod thing. Like you got A Rod, and you didn't have to pay him. Then the Yankees did it to themselves by letting him opt out and giving him a raise. Nobody else was going to do. I just think if the offers are this bad, you go. All right, man. You don't want to be part of the rebuild. Let's go 60 and 100. You're betting fourth. And people are like, oh, you can't have that. Why can't you? Like, look, it's a really, it's a reach of a, of a comparison, but I actually think it's somewhat accurate. Okafor is not, Jaleel Okafor is not Giancarlo Stanton, but he was with the Sixers and everyone's like, just cut him, just cut him. Who cares? Dead weight. There's no future. You never want to play him. And their front office of the Sixers is like, no, we still think we, you know, we may need it to flip in a contract later on. Let's wait until the trade deadline. There's no rush in this. He's not hurting us necessarily. And they end up trading him for a rotation guy that they're going to get back in Booker when everybody wanted him to cut him. My point is like when the offer is so bad, Stanton and marginal prospects, and you're kicking in money, have him stay for a year. That's not hard. Yes, and your entire perspective is banking on the, the idea that the deals will get better. But on the flip side of the equation, to defend Jeter, to be devil's advocate, you're going sixty. You're getting sixty wins with him. You're doing what? Fifty wins without him, and you got to start over at some point. You got to get that salary off the books, or you're going to be hamstrung in what you can do moving forward. He's the first piece, not the last piece. They're going to be getting rid of other guys. They're going to be trading everyone. Probably even Starling, Starling Castro. He will be on the mark uh, on the market as well. So. Holding him around for another year to get 60 wins just puts on hold everything you want to get accomplished to get back to some level. By the way, you're also not filling up your stadium with him. So but I, What's but the I, downside? I do think, and even though I don't normally go this way, is that there is value in not having a horrible first impression that mimics the previous regime's management style. You know, back when they opened the new stadium, we're going to go do this. They signed Mark Burley. They signed Jose Reyes. They bring in Heath Bell. Those contracts were a joke. Burley makes six million in the first year of a fifty-eight million dollar deal. It was so backloaded it went to eighteen million and twenty million. And guess what? The Marlins are never paying it. 
Same thing with Reyes. Reyes makes $10 million in the first year. They get him out of there. He's making $22 million a year in the last three years of the deal. Even Heath Bell was backloaded. And they were like, no, no, plenty of contracts are backloaded when I had brought this up. I go, contracts are never backloaded like this. And Marlins fans that yelled at me three years ago when the Stanton deal was extended said, no, this is different. There's a no-trade clause. They thought the no-trade clause was going to help them. And, in fact, it totally burned them because Stanton like, – that's the thing is if you're going Stanton, okay, you only want to go to the Dodgers, you only want to go to New York – it's Castro and it's marginal guys. I'll keep you just to make a better first impression so people don't think this is Loria Sampson too. And that's how it feels today if you're a Marlins fan. I feel bad for him. Yeah, well, now they're on the road to getting better. You think they're going to get better because of this? It's the only path forward. The Ryan Rossillo Show. Now that Human Resources VP Ashley Campbell has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, she's managing her workforce like a rock star. She even has her own hype song. I'm the spark before the fire. I'm the power in the train. I have a really diverse workforce with different hours, skill sets, and pay grades. Don't stop. Don't stop. I'm the dream. You should know that. Now we're motivating and engaging the right people. Every step of the way. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger. Carson Wentz out for the rest of the season. We knew that kind of last night, but confirmed today before the Rosillo Show got started with Will Kane, Tim Hasselbeck now for the next 30 minutes or so. Tweet the show, 1-800-Flowers.com. Twitter feed, at Rosillo Show. Capture the excitement of Christmas morning with 1-800-Flowers.com. When you order 12 peppermint roses for only twenty nine ninety nine, you'll get an extra half dozen and a vase for free. You go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash ESPN. What is up, my man? What's up? It's brutal news on... Uh... Brutal news on Carson Wentz. I was surprised, I guess, from the start of the show where you go, okay, do you do the opening topic of what does it mean for the Eagles? You go, well, who's right. debating this? But it seemed like a lot of players think that with Foles, they can still compete. Like, Where are you with this whole thing? Well, I do think that, I mean, just look around at, look, Blake Bortles is on a team that's probably going to win their division and go to the postseason. You have, um, you know, Case Keenum playing well, and then you have, um, you know, even just younger, inexperienced guys playing well. And so you think, well, look, Nick Foles has started a bunch of games. It's a good football team. Can they be okay? Um, and I think they can. I just believe they have to change a lot because, you know, Nick doesn't have the same skill set that Carson Wentz does. You know, they're you know roughly the same height and weight probably. But in terms of just being a quick twitch athlete, that's just, that's not Nick's game. And it's, and his ability to do that is conducive to a lot of the stuff they've been doing on offense. I think everybody's pretty hopeful about Nick Foles based on that one year, Tim. Um, sure, yeah. That year's a massive outlier in his yeah. career. How do you have a year like that? I mean, who is he? Is he that guy? Or is who's he the guy Case, we saw? But, the, but uh, who's Case Keenum? Right now, he's this guy. The only thing we came up with is these guys are all better off without Jeff Fisher. That, that That's Case Keenum. You're it's saying Keenum, Keenum Goff, and then Goff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and listen, that's. I mean, it's fair to go from that staff and then to to have it, um, you know, have the success that those guys are having. 
I think part of it is you go, okay, well, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson, you know, was around Nick in Kansas City. Doug Peterson wanted him, um, you know, in Philadelphia. Um, you know, when they when they had uh, Chase Daniel, you know, they decided, look, we'd rather have Nick Foles than Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel, I think by some people, is viewed as a guy that was a very, you know, kind of quality level backup. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what they do to kind of make this go with Nick Foles' skill set. So, like, I'll give you an example in the game this weekend. Um, when he comes in, they they call two, you know, run pass options. So everyone's blocking the run, and he's trying to, uh, you know, basically get the ball out when everyone else is blocking the run. It's got to happen fast, mm-hmm. and that's just not that's not Nick's game. You know, that's not what he does well. Just kind of like the move the pocket play stuff. I don't think that that's going to be his strength, and it certainly was for Carson. Okay, so then right now, who's your favorite team in the NFC? We look at this and we say these are uh, Rams, Vikings, Eagles, Panthers. I mean, pretty close. I think they're all close favorite. Um, I think I, I think I probably like the Saints. I just think they have a quarterback that is really good. So if the defense has a bad day, they can score thirty six points if they need to. They've got running backs that that are tremendous and give you matchup issues. Um, they've got good wide receivers. Defensively, they make me nervous because they take so many chances. They're because I think they feel like they have to take chances. And when you do that, you right, give it's up obviously big plays. Better than what they've been. So I mean, for, sure. for anyone, I'm not, I'm not that you don't understand that, but it's just it's funny to think of the defense as a concern when it's always been the thing where you go, I don't even want to talk about this. Right, right, yeah. And so what they have been able to do is that certain times this year when they've played with a lead, they've been really aggressive, and Dennis Allen has kind of been able to scheme some stuff up, and it's helped them. So I, you know, I probably say the Saints. By the way, Marshawn Lattimore is going to join us tomorrow, 3.30 Eastern. A uh, big reason why that oh. defense has been so good this year. And I knew he was listening, so I said the Saints. No. <laughs> yes. Pittsburgh last night. Uh, we, we've seen this at times. I feel like this is really weird because you go, okay, well, what's Pittsburgh's deal? And I think w- most years you go, okay, wait a minute. They're 11-2. and two. They have a quarterback we trust. Got a couple rings. Tons of talent. And it looks like they're going to lose to Baltimore last night. And they have a great comeback. They're 11-2. and two. They're the one seed. And I feel like it's still this massive hesitation with this team. And I don't know if that's playing down to the opponent or what, but I would think normally a team with that profile and that history we'd be in love with today. We would, but I mean, they've won, I think they've won their last four with like a field goal in the closing minute, I think is what it's been. And so in some of those teams have been, um, you know, Green Bay with Hunley, it's been the Colts. I mean, so they, they haven't Cincinnati. been these super impressive wins. And so I think, because of that, I don't think Ryan. I don't, I don't think it's crazy to, to feel that way about them. And honestly, Ben didn't play well at the beginning part of the year. So now that they're rolling a little bit offensively, you feel like okay, yeah, you can see it. But even still, I mean, just take a look at um, you know how their defense is played, and certainly don't want to be insensitive about it. But you know, Ryan Shazier was a good player for them. I mean, they're down the line at the linebacker position. And so if you say, okay, well, if you're going to be a real contender in the AFC, you have to play with new, play with New England. And New England has got a back for, you know, every down and situation and I think that's trying what to it is. match up I, with you. I think and, that's the answer. It's not who they are. It's that everybody just looks at New England, especially the way Pittsburgh defends them and does such a bad job of not adjusting. 
Yeah, like last year when you watch do? him, you go, what? you guys are stuck with this. By the way, the Baker Mayfield thing, I want to do at the top of the next hour with Hasselbeck while he's here, so I don't want to shortchange mm-hmm. that one. I've only been teasing that for about four days. I even called into a show this weekend, said, hey, check us out. So we're going to do that a little bit later. <laughs> talk about Baker. Yeah. Up later. I'm glad you said that because I was about to bring it up with him right now. Good. So we'll just uh, we'll push that off a little bit more. You guys' chemistry is incredible. What's your over-under on how many times you've bullied people? Mm, you were well, definitely the bully, not the bullied. Yeah, I think I think I probably wasn't a I was probably a mean kid is like uh pre you know like before seventh grade I probably wasn't probably did some things I wasn't proud of pre seventh grade. I think that's when it starts happening. You know, you know, starting to get a no little YouTube hit. videos, no videos out there. No, well, listen, I, I don't know how serious you're trying to make this conversation, but I, I mean, the reality is like it's it's a different world now because of that. Oh sure. man, we broke it down every which way earlier from the mom's perspective. From the social media background. And that's the bullying video of people are mm-hmm. wondering where the hell this is coming from <laughs> out of nowhere. Uh, all right, go ahead. I think I got it last. I was you were, why do you think I, I, do I looked you at Tim Hasselbeck? I, I said, you were, a, were no. you a bully? I mean, come on. No. Guy can do 34 pull-ups. I was never yeah, physically in a position could. to bully. Were you a mental bully, though? Might have been a mental. Some would say I am now. I, you know, especially like the way you treat the Bennett brothers. Do you think I was bullied or mm-hmm. I was a bully? I think you were. I think you were a bully, mm-hmm. all the way through UVM. Actually, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was. was. Uh, I was not a bully. I was bullied in high school. So I was a freshman. So I have a weird deal. Is that when I was younger, I was popular. Junior high killed it, killed it. <laughs> and uh, then I, I don't know what happened. Like freshman year, I because my father's a humble carpenter, builder depending on how you want to phrase it. So I still like woodworking. So I, right. I took woodworking uh, my freshman year, and I, I didn't wear socks. So I was like a preppy dress-up kid, but I still really liked getting my hand on a lathe. And um, these older dudes, you know, docking patches on their jean jackets, they had just about had it with this preppy kid that was a freshman, a little mouthy about how good he was at hoops. And they were like, you better start wearing socks to school, man. <laughs> really? I was like, yeah, I'm not wearing socks. Back off. And I was so skinny. I mean, I'm lucky to be cracking 140 and a bunch of them grabbed me and brought me into the finishing room that's where we have our paints and stains tim mm-hmm. <laughs> and they took a brown uh brown stain out just a dark chestnut and painted socks onto my bare feet really and i had to walk around the rest of the day with wet stain in my my loafers probably eastlands and I, I figured they were gh bass company i nope. was going with zodiac <laughs> now eastlands were huge back in the day yeah. had to do the knot right so then I got home, I, I had some like stain on my white dungarees and my mom started giving me the business. She's like, I can't believe you got stain on these pants. Then I had to tell her what happened. Mm-hmm. And so then the principal got me 60 bucks back for the pants. And that's when I learned there you that go. bullying not cool. is not cool. That's when he started lifting. No, the I didn't start day. lifting until like another 10 years <laughs> later. I was, I was still, college I wasn't the nicest, I'll admit that. Yeah, I picture the Hasselbeck brothers were a little bit of a problem. Yeah, but you That's had an true. older brother who's a lot bigger than you, so you probably were like nice. Yeah, I, no, I, 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 I didn't want to. I was certainly wasn't. I never did anything like that to anybody. Or maybe, maybe because your brother was your brother. No, he wasn't a like, bully either. Yeah, but maybe you had like these insecurities about his success, and then that you took it out on your neighbors. No, no the, the problem was the, the problem was is I was always better at him until you could start getting paid for doing it. Oh, work after the punt block. You know what I mean? You know, uh, early bloomer, not good. Underrated athlete. You never hear that about that. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right, <laughs> Will Will learned his lesson last week. <laughs>
Ryan Rossillo Show. We got Tim Hasselbeck for another segment here. I think we want to get back to that bullying thing. Not my story about having my feet stained. Hate, hey, robust. Got to give those guys credit Jerry. for creativity. Yeah, I'm not even mad about it now. Really? Like I crossed them off the list. They're not on it anymore. Will Kane. You run into those guys since? No. no. That'd be good. Hey, guys. <laughs> been working yeah. out. Yeah. Like, do you have any kids? No. I've only been working out. <laughs> I've only been working out this whole time. You have any anyone in your life like you? Nope, no wife, no kids, but I, I have big arms. And working we're out. out. Payback time. Rosillo Show brought to you by Goodyear. Tires as hardworking as college football's most blimp-worthy athletes. Goodyear, official sponsor of the college football playoff. Part of that playoff is Oklahoma. Baker Mayfield, their QB, a miraculous story. Wins the Heisman. He's a walk-on. He shows up. This is after watching Trevor Knight dice up Alabama. Will can't get off of that. That bully thing. That's all right. I love the image of you not having kids. No significant other. Nope. Just been working out. Thinking about you. Thinking about you, Todd. (laughs) My stained feet. This is on. Um, Pollock thinks he should be the number one pick in the draft. Here's the college game day analyst. Baker Mayfield plays frenetic, and he makes plays with his feet, but he's always looking downfield. His feet are always live. He throws a deep ball that's great. His isn't all about impromptu. He can play on schedule. The comparison for Baker Mayfield that you're going to start hearing by all these scouts when we get closer, first of all, he should be the first quarterback taken in the draft next year. I'd take him over Darnold. I'd take him over Rosen. All those guys, first of all. And he can make all the throws. He can make the throws down the field, and he can scramble around and buy time. You'll hear more of, of Russell Wilson in the future. Preseason, everybody wanted to talk about Colt McCoy, Johnny Menzel. If you're yep. watching tape, this dude can do it all, and he's got something about him, man, that just makes you want to fight for him. Okay. Um, there are comps to who? We go Manziel mm-hmm. or you go Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Now, playing the position, Tim, so let's refer say, so, to you. So, so his, what, what, is, what does everyone think his height and weight and Baker? speed will be? People think Baker's going to come in under six feet. Okay. Manziel was 5'11", three quarters. Yep. Russell yep. Wilson was in the 5'11s. Listen, Breeze is, I, I was at the combine with Breeze and he let out a huge, you know, like exhale when they started, you know, Drew Breeze, six, zero, zero. He was like, whoo, okay, there we go. You know, yeah, five something just feels yeah, so dirty. It wasn't going to be good. Size comps, they say, are fair between Baker Mayfield and Russell Wilson. In terms of height. Yes, and weight, right. I believe. You asked a third component, though. You asked speed, not comparable. All right, so here you go. Russ is a four five five forty. Cap was a four five three. Mariota is a four five two. Manziel was a four five six. And I got to tell you, there's times when I watch Baker running around. I go, man, he can move. People are saying he's going to be the high four eights, low four nines. And you go, so is it one of those dudes that just shows up? Is it that? Not that he's Jerry Rice here, but you know Jerry Rice didn't well, run look, fast, and, and, and no one ever caught him. Is Baker just a fast player and not going to be fast in the forty? I don't know. And that'll hurt. That'll certainly That's hurt. Slow. And then I think when they look at you know the you know the three cone drill, and when they look at the five ten five shuttle, and they look at that stuff, you know how he matches up with those guys in that element will matter. And look, forty time certainly isn't the most important thing for a quarterback, but if you need to be sold on his mobility because of his size. Then it then it does end up being a big deal. Here's another one for you: hand size. Hand size is going to be a huge deal. The truth is, with Russell Wilson, he's got paws as if he's he's over ten inches. That's massive. Hands. Okay, and so um, that's a big deal, and and people pay a lot of attention to that because 
they do feel like there's a correlation in terms of um you know being able to throw the ball in bad weather being able to throw um you know a wet football in the wind that type of stuff but also in terms of ball security and fumbles you know so I remember when Jared Goff came out, that was the rap. That was one of the problems, they said, right? Small hands weren't hands. that big. See, here's the thing, though. So we've gone over all the measurable stuff, okay? Four, four nines would be slow. Like some really athletic offensive linemen are running four nines. Right. Not, you know, most of them are in the fives, deep in the fives. The Manziel thing scares the hell out of me, not because of the off-the-field stuff. Like my bet would be that Baker Mayfield, despite the problems that he's had, is not somebody that's going to miss a team flight for an away game because he was up partying the entire right. night before. Okay, that that is a lack of dedication. Where you go, man, you you get after it, but you like you can't even show up to a game. What the hell's wrong with you? All right. When I would talk to A and M, I couldn't figure out. I go, what what's the deal? What's the deal with Manziel? Like, tell me, tell me. And they go, man. Nothing better than coming out of that tunnel knowing that guy's on your side. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I go, what? okay, but what about in the NFL? They're like, we can't wait to see what happens. But, man, you know, it's tough to bet against him. And I go back and think of all the things the A&M guy said to me about Manziel as an NFL quarterback, and I realized they didn't want to trash their guy. They just were saying the nice things. They were saying mm-hmm. the, would hate to bet against him, yeah. love coming out of there. It was never specific. It was never not a worker, kind of lazy, you know, really gets after it, doesn't care as much. And, yeah, he makes some plays running around on Saturday, but his hands are too small, doesn't make enough reads. We're running some weird stuff like he's a great athlete, but no, no. They wouldn't say – like so I understand their position, guys, of them not wanting to dog their own kid, but they didn't tell me anything that was real. And with the Baker thing, I can't figure out because I see a guy that makes great decisions, and, yeah, he's abrasive, but I think his teammates like him. I think he cares more than Manziel, but I can't get past the fact that he's a really small dude, and most of these guys, it just doesn't work out. Because it worked out for Russ, he's not even close to the same athlete that Russ is. Well, and I think that's the key. Is he close to the same athlete as Russell Wilson? When you watch Russell Wilson play, I mean, just take a look. You know, you have, I mean, Clayus Campbell at times this past weekend looked like he was in slow motion because of Russell Wilson. I mean, we've seen Russell Wilson take elite pass rushers. So the guy, I mean, just in your mind, think of the, the guys that look like Julius Peppers, look like Jason Pierre-Paul, guys that can just Chris Long. go, you know, can r- rush the passer. But no, it, like just guys that are ridiculous athletes, and then escape from them. That that's the difference, you know, in terms of elusive, elusiveness on a great athlete, and then somebody that was a great college player. Well, beyond athleticism. Be- the reason that his 40 time is going to matter, the reason that his speed matters, the reason that his athleticism matters, this is the rebuttal to Pollock that I've heard, is that he doesn't do what those other three guys, Darnold, Allen, and Rosen, are guaranteed to do, which is, and you can shed light on this, Tim, play on time. Mm-hmm. 90% of the time, he's not playing on time, he's playing on his athleticism. Explain what that means. Well, I would just say time. this, and for full disclosure on it, I have not studied um, Baker 22. Mayfield yet, okay? But I'll tell you, I remember watching um, Johnny Manziel, and I remember saying, listen, he made some great plays, but it's only because he passed up the throw that he should have made at the top of his drop. And so, like, that's incredible, but it was third and six, and he should have had a first down and should have been back in the huddle. And there were a lot of bad plays that came off of him passing up good plays. Or is he throwing pop-ups to Mike Evans, who's just beasting everybody, Listen, there was some of that as well. And so I can remember, say, the thing that he will have to learn how to do is that basically one of the best lessons that you can teach a quarterback is that you don't go broke taking a profit, okay? It's it's the thing that everyone wants to complain about Alex Smith about, 
But the truth is you can play in the NFL a long time if you will not pass up open guys. And so if Mayfield is just playing backyard football too much, then then people are going to see that. Scouts will love the playmaking ability, but guys that have to coach him will be like, man, I got to coach him out of this? That's hard to do. You don't keep... I'm, I'm writing that one down. You never heard that before? Love it. You never Can't go broke, broke taking a prize. I heard the story of Charlie Weiss stopping practice with the New England Patriots to ream out Tom Brady because he took a 20-yard pass instead of the initial read. It was a 10-yard out for the first down. He said, that's not what we do here. Brady's like, but he's open. He's yeah. like, well, then here, you take the play call yeah. sheet. You take the whistle. Listen. You're in charge. And that's the last Brady ever did of that. That was early in his career. Always took the profit after Listen, that. Listen, there's a reason where, why certain concepts you read bottom up. Others you read top down. Some you read outside in or inside out. You know, there's others, you know, that are pure progression. There's a reason that you start from the shallow cross to the basic cross down to the burst. Like, there's a reason that you do it. Because it times up and you can efficiently do it. Like there's a, and everybody knows where they're supposed to be and when the ball is supposed to be coming. And then you know that after you set that up, there's something that comes off of it. And I just think that if you don't do that and you just are kind of relying on your athletic ability, ultimately, unless you're Cam Newton, it catches up to you. It just, it just does. So you would not take him ahead of those other guys. Well, I want to watch him. Yeah. I really do. And but as of right now, is... I do. I will say this: like in terms of what other people say, like when you watch Josh Rose, when the ball comes out of Josh Rosen's hand, yeah, you're like, yep, yep, got it. Like pretty clear, man. Now look, when you watched uh, Blaine Gabbert and the ball come out of his hand, it's pretty impressive well, too. Gabbert's good now. And no, no, but when the ball would come out of Gabbert's hand, it was impressive. When He's the not. I just like how you yeah. did that and stared the, straight at me. Uh, and, but that's part of it. Like sometimes you, you're right about Rosen, though. Like you watch that showdown with Darnold, and I still kind of like all these guys a little bit. Is that you see it come out of Rosen's hands or the way he'll read a blitz on third down or something? You go, that's a little Sunday. That yeah. looks Sunday ish to me. Not yeah. Just. And there's, and look, there, like when you watch Carson Palmer play in college, you were like, yeah, okay, got it. Like, mm hmm. Like you can see it. And I just, I think that, you know, there's obviously People a lot said of that about Matt. There's a lot of um, mental stuff, my brother. Yeah, yeah. pick one eighty-seven. Got him. <laughs> it's amazing he lasted. Thank you, Tim. See you, fellas. Thank you for listening to the Ryan Rosillo Show podcast. You can check out the show live weekdays at one Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on ESPN News. The Ryan Rosillo Show podcast.